0: Section 6 of the Argonautica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Mitch Greenberg. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius, translated by R.C. Seaton, section 6, book 2, part 2. Meanwhile, the chiefs carefully cleansed the old man's squalid skin, and with due selection sacrificed sheep which they had borne away from the spoil of Amicus. And when they had laid a huge supper in the hall, they sat down and feasted, and with them feasted Peneus, ravenously delighting his soul as in a dream. And there, when they had taken their fill of food and drink, they kept awake all night waiting for the sons of Boreas. And the aged sire himself sat in the midst, near the hearth, telling of the end of their voyage and the completion of their journey." listen then not everything is it lawful for you to know clearly but whatever is in heaven's will i will not hide i was infatuated aforetime when in my folly i declared the will of zeus in order and to the end for he himself wishes to deliver to men the utterances of the prophetic art incomplete in order that they may still have some need to know the will of heaven first of all after leaving me ye shall see the twin cyanean rocks where the two seas meet no one i ween has won his escape between them for they are not firmly fixed with roots beneath but constantly clash against one another to one point and above a huge mass of salt water rises in a crest boiling up and loudly dashes upon the hard beach wherefore now obey my counsel if indeed with prudent mind and reverencing the blessed gods ye pursue your way and perish not foolishly by a self-sought death or rush on following the guidance of youth first entrust the attempt to a dove when ye have sent her forth from the ship and if she escapes safe with her wings between the rocks to the open sea then no more do ye refrain from the path but grip your oars well in your hand and cleave the seas narrow strait. for the light of safety will not so much in prayer as in strength of hands wherefore let all else go and labour boldly with might and main but ere then implore the gods as ye will i forbid you not but if she flies onward and perishes midway then do ye turn back for it is better to yield to the immortals for ye could not escape an evil doom from the rocks not even if argo were of iron o hapless ones dare not transgress my divine warning even though ye think that i am thrice as much hated by the sons of heaven as i am and even more than thrice dare not sail further with your ship in despite of the omen and as these things will fall so shall they fall but if ye shun the clashing rocks and come scatheless inside pontus straightway keep the land of the bithynians on your right and sail on and beware of the breakers until ye round the swift river rebus and the black beach and reach the harbour of the isles of thineas thence ye must turn back a little space through the sea and beat your ship on the land of Mariandini, lying opposite here is a downward path to the abode of Hades, and the headland of Asherosia stretches aloft. and edding Asheron cleaves its way at the bottom, even through the headland, and sends its waters forth from a huge ravine. And near it ye shall sail past many hills of the Paphlagonians, over whom at the first Enithian pelops reigned, and of his blood they boast themselves to be. Now there is a headland opposite Helis the Bear, steep on all sides and they call it Carambis, about whose crest the blasts of the north wind are sundered. So high in the air does it rise turned towards the sea, and when ye have rounded it broad Agilius stretches before you, and at the end of the broad Agilius at a jutting point of coast the waters of the river Hales pour forth with a terrible roar, and after it his flowing near but smaller in stream rolls into the sea with white eddies onward from thence the bend of a huge and towering cape reaches out from the land next thermondon and its mouth flows into a quiet bay at the thymyserian headland after wandering through a broad continent and here is the plain of Doeus, and near are the three cities of the Amazons. And after them the Chalybes, most wretched of men, possess a soil rugged and unyielding. Sons of toil, they busy themselves with working iron. And near them dwell the Tibireni, rich in sheep, beyond the Janitian headland of Zeus, Lord of Hospitality and boarding on it the mosinosi next in order inhabit the well-wooded mainland and the parts beneath the mountains who have built in towers made from trees their wooden homes and well-fitted chambers which they call mosinese and the people themselves take their name from them after passing them ye must beat your ship upon a smooth island when ye have driven away with all manner of skill the ravening birds which in countless numbers haunt the desert island in it the queens of the amazons otrer and antiope built a stone temple of ares what time they went forth to war now here an unspeakable help will come to you from the bitter sea wherefore with kindly intent i bid you to stay But what need is there that I should sin yet again, declaring everything to the end by my prophetic art? And beyond the island and opposite mainland dwell the Phileries, and above the Phileries are the Macrones, and after them the vast tribes of the Bechiri. And in next order to them dwell the Sapiris and the Bezeries, have lands adjoining to them, and beyond them at last live the warlike Colchilians themselves but speed on in your ship till ye touch the inmost bourne of the sea and hear the Citani mainland and from the amaranthian mountains far away from the caucarian plain editing fasus roll his broad steam to the sea guide your ship to the mouth of that river and ye shall behold the towers of sitani and the shady groves of Ares where a dragon, a monster terrible to behold, ever glares around, keeping watch over the fleece that is spread upon the top of an oak. Neither by day nor by night does sweet sleep subdue his restless eyes. Thus he spack, and straightway fear seized them as they heard, and for a long while they were struck with silence, till at last the hero, son of Aeson, spack, sore dismayed at their evil plight o aged sire now hast thou come to the end of the toils of our sea journeying and hast told us the token trusting to which we shall make our way to pontus through the hateful rocks but whether when we have escaped them we shall have a return back again to halis this too would we gladly learn from thee what shall i do how shall i go over again such a long path through the sea unskilled as i am with unskilled comrades and colchian Ae lies at the edge of pontus and of the world thus he spake and him the aged sire addressed in reply o son when once thou hast escaped through the deadly rocks fear not for a deity will be the guide from Ae by another track and to Ae there will be guides enough but my friends take thought of the artful aid of the cyprian goddess for on her depends the glorious issue of your venture and further than this ask me not thus spake Agenor's son and close at hand the twin sons of Thracian boreas came darting from the sky and set their swift feet upon the threshold and the heroes rose up from their seats when they saw them present and Zetes, still drawing hard breaths after his toil, spack among the eager listeners, telling them how far they had driven the harpies, and how his prevented their slaying them, and how the goddess of her grace saved them pledges, and how those others in fear plunged into the vast cave of the Dictaean cliff. Then in the mansion all their comrades were joyful at the tidings, and so was Phineas himself, and quickly Aeson's son, with good will exceeding, addressed him assuredly there was then phineas some god who cared for thy bitter woe and brought us hither from afar that the sons of boreas might aid thee and if too he should bring sight to thine eyes verily i should rejoice methinks as much as if i were on my homeward way thus he spack but phineas replied to him with downcast look son of Aeson, that is past recall nor is there any remedy hereafter for blasted are my sightless eyes but instead of that may the gods grant me death at once, and after death I shall take my share in perfect bliss. Then they two returned answering speech, each to other, and soon in the midst of their converse early dawn appeared. And round Phineas were gathered the neighbors, who used to come thither aforetime day by day, and constantly bring a portion of their food. To all alike, however poor he was that came, the aged man gave his oracles with good will, and freed many from their woes by his prophetic art, wherefore they visited and tended him. And with them came Parabius, who was dearest to him, and gladly did he perceive these strangers in the house. For long ere now, the seer himself had said that a band of chieftains, faring from Hellas to the city of Asseres, would make fast their hasters to the Thynian land, and by Zeus's will would check the approach of the harpies. The rest, the old man pleased with words of wisdom, and let them go. Paribius only he bade remain there with the chiefs and straightway he sent him and bade him bring back the choicest of his sheep and when he had left the hall phineas backed gently amid the throng of oarsmen o oh, my friends not all men are arrogant it seems nor unmindful of benefits even as this man loyal as he is came hither to learn his fate for when he laboured the most and toiled the most then the needs of life ever growing more and more would waste him and day after day ever dawn more wretched nor was there any respect to his toil but he was paying the sad penalty of his father's sin. For he, when alone on the mountains, felling trees, once slighted the prayers of a Hamadriad, who wept and sought to soften him with plaintive words, not to cut down the stump of an oak tree, coeval with herself, wherein for a long time she had lived continually. But he, in the arrogance of his youth, recklessly cut it down. So to him the nymph thereafter made her death a curse to him and to his children. I indeed knew of the sin when he came and i bid him build an altar to the thinium nymph and offer on it an atoning sacrifice with prayer to escape his father's fate here ever since he escaped the god-sent doom never has he forgotten or neglected me but sorely and against his will do i send him from my doors so eager is he to remain with me in my affliction thus spack agenor's son and his friend straightway came near leading two sheep from the flock and up rose jason and up rose the sons of boreas at the bidding of the aged sire and quickly they called upon apollo lord of prophecy and offered sacrifice upon the health as the day was just sinking and the younger comrades made ready a feast to their hearts desire thereupon having well feasted they turned themselves to rest some near the ship's hostels others in groups throughout the mansion and at dawn the etzien's winds blew strongly which by the command of zeus blow over every land equally cerian the tale goes once tended sheep among the marsh meadow of pinaeus among men of old time for dear to her were maidenhood and a couch unstained but as she guarded her flock by the river apollo carried her off far from haemonia and placed her among the nymphs of the land who dwelt in libya near the mersocian height and here to phobus she bore aristaeus whom the Hamonians, rich in cornland called hunter and shepherd her of his love the god made a nymph there of long life and huntress and his son he brought while still an infant to be nurtured in the cave of Chiron, and to him he grew to manhood the muses gave a bride and taught him the arts of healing and of prophecy and they made him the keeper of their sheep of all that grazed on the athamanthian plain of Thysia and round steep Orthoris, and the sacred stream of the river Apidanus but when from heaven sirius scorched the known isles and for there was no respite for the inhabitants then by the injunction of the far darter they summoned aristaeus to ward off the pestilence and by his father's command he left piscia and made his home in ceos and gathered together the parhasian people who were of lineage of lacaeon and he built a great altar to zeus ichimeas and duly offered sacrifices upon the mountains to that star sirius and to zeus son of Cronos himself and on this account it is that etzian winds from zeus cooled the land for forty days in the ceos even now the priests offer sacrifices before the rising of the dog star so the tale is told but the chieftains stayed there by constraint and every day the thynians doing pleasure to phineas sent them gifts beyond measure and afterwards they raised an altar to the blessed twelve on the sea-beach opposite and laid offerings thereon and then entered their swish shift to row nor did they forget to bear with them a trembling dove but euphemus seized her and brought her all quivering with fear and they loosed the twin hossers from the land nor did they start unmarked by athena but straightway swiftly she set her feel on a light cloud which would waft her on mighty though she was and she swept on to the sea with friendly thoughts to the oarsmen and as when one roweth far from his native land as we men often wander with enduring heart nor is any land too distant but all ways are clear to his view and he sees in his mind his own home and at once the way over sea and land seems slain and swiftly thinking now this way nor that he strains with eager eyes so swiftly the daughter of zeus darted down and set her foot on the cheerless shore of Thynia. now when they reached the narrow strait of the winding passage hemmed in on both sides by rugged cliffs while an eddying current from below was washing against the ship as she moved on they went forward sorely in dread and now the thud of crashing rocks ceaselessly struck their ears and the sea wash shores resounded and then euphemus grasped the dove in his hand and started to mount the prow and they at the biting of tiphys son of hagnius rode with good will to drive argo between the rocks trusting to their strength and as they rounded a bend they saw the rocks opening for the last time of all Their spirit melted within them, and Euphemus sent forth the dove to dart forward in flight, and they all together raised their heads to look. But she flew between them, and the rocks again rushed together and crashed as they met face to face. And the foam leapt up in a mass like a cloud. Awful was the thunder of the sea, and all round them the mighty Welkin roared. The hollow caves beneath the rugged cliffs rumbled as the sea came surging in, and the white foam of dashing waves spurted high above the cliff next the current whirled the ship round and the rocks shore away the end of the dove's tail feathers but away she flew unscathed and the rowers gave a loud cry and Tiphys himself called to them to row with might and main for the rocks were again parting asunder but as they rowed they trembled until the tide returning drove them back within the rocks then most awful fear seized upon all for over their head was destruction without escape and now to the right and left broad Pontus was seen, when suddenly a huge wave rose up before them, arched like a steep rock, and at the sight they bowed with bended heads, for it seemed about to leap down upon the ship's whole length and to overwhelm them. But Tiphias was quick to ease the ship, and as she labored with the oars and all its mass the wave rolled away beneath the keel and at the stern it raised argo herself and drew her far away from the rocks and high in the air was she borne but euphemus strode among his comrades and cried to them to bend to their oars with all their might and they with a shout smote the water and as far as the ship yielded to the rowers twice as far did she leap back and the oar were bent like curved bows as the heroes used their strength then a vaulted billow rushed upon them and the ship like a cylinder ran on the furious rave plunging through the hollow sea and the eddying current held her between the clashing rocks and on each side they shook and thundered and the ship's timbers were held fast, then Athena with her left hand thrust back one mighty rock, and with her right pushed the ship through, and she like a winged arrow sped through the air, nevertheless the rocks, ceaselessly clashing, shore off as she passed the extreme end of the stern ornament. But Athena soared up to Olympus, when they had escaped unscathed, and the rocks in one spot at that moment were rooted fast forever to each other which thing had been destined by the blessed gods when a man in his ship should have passed between them alive and the heroes breathed again after their chilling fear beholding at the same time the sky and the expanse of the sea spreading far and wide for they deemed that they were saved from hades and tiphys first of all began to speak it is my hope that we have safely escaped this peril we and the ship and none other is the cause so much as athena who breathed into argo divine strength when argus knitted her together with bolts and she may not be caught son of aeson no longer fear thou so much the hest of thy king since a god hath granted us escape between the rocks for phineas agenor's son said that our tolls hereafter would be lightly accomplished peace back and at once he sped the ship onward through the midst of the sea past the bithynian coast but jason with gentle words addressed him in reply "Tiphys, why dost thou confront thus my grieving heart I have erred, and I am distraught in wretched and helpless ruin, for I ought, when Peleus gave the command, to have straightway refused this quest to his face. Yea, though I were doomed to die piteously torn limb from limb, but now I am wrapped in excessive fear and cares unbearable, dreading to sail through the chilling pass of the sea, and dreading when we shall set foot on the mainland for on every side are unkindly men and ever when day is done i pass a night of groans from the time when ye first gathered together for my sake while i take thought for all things but thou talkest at thine ease eating only for thine own life while for myself i am dismayed not a whit but i fear for this man and for that equally and for thee and for my other comrades if i shall not bring you back safe to the land of hellas thus he spake, making trial of the chiefs but they shouted loud with cheerful words and his heart was warmed within him at their cry and again he spake outright among them my friends in your valor my courage is quickened wherefore now even though i should take my way through the gulfs of hades no more shall i let fear seize upon me Since ye are steadfast amid cruel terrors, but now that we have sailed out from the striking rocks, I throw that never hereafter will there be another such fearful thing, if indeed we go on our own way, following the counsels of Phineas. End of section six. Recording by Mitch Greenberg.